Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Namaste, yogis. I'm Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I believe one of the most enlightening things that you can do for yourself is immerse your mind, body, and spirit in yoga. Yoga is union, and when we unite, together we inspire flight to uplift the world. Your path to awakening to the transformative power of yoga starts now. Something else brought me to to, to this teaching of yoga. I can say I always felt a huge ball of light in my chest and I was always asking okay what do you want me to do with this what, what where am I going to put this energy it's too much energy for me to hold I need to put it somewhere and it was always a question my whole life and it felt like I was surging with energy just way too much energy to hold in this one little body and um, what I do now is I, I channel that energy for good today I have the great opportunity of interviewing Megan Curry We met at her beautiful home in Bali, where she served me some of her delicious plant concoctions as we sat down for an intimate conversation. Listen close as we touch on everything from Megan's first experiences of yoga to her deep connection with nature and how it inspires her practice today. Namaste, yogis, and welcome to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I'm absolutely ecstatic to be sitting here across from the one and only Megan Curry, who is an absolutely incredible yoga teacher, an activist, but also a magician when it comes to creating wonderful vegan concoctions. And she's a movement yoga fairy. (laughs) I say fairy, but you know, she may like the name witch, but I say fairy. You're definitely very light. Oh, Thank you. That's a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. So I really like to start off these podcasts with a little bit of who you are Mm. 
and why you do what you do. Who I am. Hmm. Who is Megan? I don't know. I don't know who I am, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Who am I? Oh, no. (laughs) That's actually a really big question. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yet, actually. I haven't, I'm not self-realized fully, actually. That's the honest answer. Um, But I do know that I'm a Canadian, and um, I've lived a very full life, um, and um, what was the second question? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where you grew up? I grew up in, uh, for the first five years, on a farm with um, cows and vegetables. And then um, for the next 10 years, I grew up in a small town in Ontario that was an Amish town. So, well, it was half Amish. So I grew up um, with many horse and buggies and horses and this culture that um, the the classical or the traditional Mennonites who don't use electricity and they wear all black and they're super, super old school. And um, I grew up in a town that has a festival every year for maple syrup <laughs> and thousands of people. That's why you people. Like maple syrup so much. <laughs> I worship maple syrup. Oh. I really do. And it's like a very dangerous thing for me to drink, which we discovered together last night. Yeah. It's a very it was, powerful drug. It was definitely a, a, an altered experience, an altered state experience where I witnessed Megan <laughs> literally turn into a whole other person <laughs> after one spoonful of maple syrup. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) So you have this uh, maple syrup town that you grew up in, and that's like your roots, basically. That's where you come from. I've got sweet, sweet syrupy roots. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) syrup and uh, sausage, basically. (laughs) Quite an interesting mix. (laughs) So when did you first find yoga? Hmm. The um, the meditation practice. Um, I first found when I was, I think I was 12, and I was working at a a farmer's market, and across from the stall where I was working, I was selling bags, and there was this, across from me, there was this man with a huge beard and white hair, and he was selling his um, meditation tapes and his, his meditation book. And at the time, I was literally riddled with anxiety and fear, like constantly. 24 seven. And, and when I saw him, he just had such a light around him that I was, I was drawn to him and I would go and and talk to him every day. And he would always have like green algae in his teeth. It was like (laughs) chewing blue, green algae. So he got me onto blue, green algae. Um, wow. This is like back in the day. Yeah. 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 Canada. Yes. He was like super ahead of his time. He was. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I didn't really necessarily open up to him completely about how um, much I was suffering with anxiety, but I I did enough that he gave me all of his books. Um, And he also gave me my first yoga book, which was Autobiography of a Yogi. Yeah, Yogananda. Yeah. Ramahansa Yogananda. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so dense, that book, that I... At the time, I, I couldn't really get through it, but I, I, I had it and I carried it and I tried and <laughs> I would read like one sentence over and over and over. Um, mm. But I did his meditations and read his book and that was really my first introduction, I would say. Ah. Mm-hmm. And being introduced to yoga at such a young age, would you say that it helped you through those years of anxiety, through those years of you know, adolescence becoming a quote unquote woman? and jumping into your adulthood? 
Definitely it did, yes. Um, I have to say that um, the meditation alone, because my my mind was really erupting um, to such an intensity, the meditation alone was, I found it too intense. So it was really hard for me just to sit and meditate. Um, Yeah, because my mind was going wild. And so... It wasn't till I was 19 and I, I found my first teacher of asana that I really experienced the magic of the combination of, of movement and breath and then and, and meditation um, married to that. That's when I really discovered that. But um, in the beginning, yes, meeting him and it helped me to retrain my mind in, in different ways mm-hmm. for sure. In the first few years of uh, practicing yoga, what else was going on in your life and what drew you to practice asana? What drew me to practice, um, practicing asana, asana was my level of, of depression and, and anxiety and fear. And um, Did you grow up in like a hard time or a hard family? Or what was the, the you know, cause or the culprit of your anxiety and your stress? Mm. No, my family is amazing. They're beautiful, and um, I was adopted, so they adopted me, and mm. they're they're beautiful and they're amazing. Um, I would say I have always been a very sensitive uh, being, and that sensitivity, I would say, um, I didn't understand, and um, maybe I was fearful of really sharing the full depth of what I was experiencing with my family or with somebody outside of me, because I was so afraid of of being shunned or being abnormal. Not that they would shun me or somebody would shun me, but I was afraid. So I kept it to myself. And therefore, um, I would say that that fears that and, and sensitivities, things I felt or saw or was hearing, um, they, they could have been managed, let's say, if I had um, been guided to understand them. But because I wasn't, it was almost as though uh, the intensity increased and it became so intense to the point where I feel like it turned into um, various imbalances that expressed in my behavior and expressed in my overall experience or state or perception. Um, so I developed many paranoias, like all mm. the paranoias. I developed paranoia, essentially. Um, I was told that my birth mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia while I was in the womb with her so it, it of course I feel as though that was an activation perhaps of that that sensitivity level that was already in my lineage um, so I was I dealt with that on my own though and that was as a teenager I went through this it felt like actually it felt like hell <laughs> like it was really hard but now when I look back, I see it as an initiation, like an amazing initiation. It was for like 10 years of my life, and it was really, 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 really hard. But it's, I feel, what has made me like a super strong, brave, courageous, powerful woman today that I, I don't feel like I would have, I would have these like foundations if it weren't for these, these various things. So I would say, to again answer your question, it's a level of sensitivity, um, uh, and and a misunderstanding of that, the powers of that, but I don't see it as being a mistake. I, I see like my whole upbringing, everything that unfolded as being perfect because I wouldn't be 
who I am if it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, uh, who would you say have been some of your most profound teachers in becoming your own being and being guided to a greater understanding of yourself? <clears throat> My greatest teachers. There was two Beckys, and they were both super, um, like, angels in my life but the first one I think I was like 12 or 13 and she was probably 19 or something Um, but she was the first really um, intuitive um, out there um, magical fairy like woman um, that I had met really who was super grounded in these realms that I existed in So I felt really at home with her and I asked her tons of questions and she helped me to understand more um, innately my, who I am and and what, and my levels of sensitivities and what I was seeing and what I was perceiving and experiencing. And um, so she is, I think, one of my biggest teachers that that came along. then there was another one who was similar. Her name was Becky as well, and she was also um, super, super influential in my life and another one of these powerful, beautiful women. Um, I mean, I have had so many people along the way. Those are just the first ones. Before I even went into like a yoga practice, these are my it's like solid angels who were in my life who helped me through the dark age. <laughs> mm. Then... Um, when you started to come to the light, um, when did you first start to practice yoga as a means of healing? Yeah, I tried my first class in Costa Rica with a woman named Nancy Goodfellow. Her mother is Susan Money, and she owns Pranamar in Costa Rica. It's a really beautiful, it's I've in Santa Teresa. Oh my God, it's so yeah. beautiful. And they're amazing women. Um, so she was my first teacher, and then I went back to Vancouver, and that's when I first went back to Vancouver, I think I was 21, and that's when I first started a regular practice. I found a studio, and that's when I started to feel, for the first time, happy. Mm. Um, so I was practicing every morning, or as much as I could. Um, yeah, and I just felt super, super grounded. I still had anxiety and fear. Um, that's something that never really like just went away, um, but I felt I felt joy, and so that's when I really realized um, the importance of and the magic of it in my life for healing. Mm. Judging by your practice, just from an outside perspective, you have a very fluid, very open, um, almost whimsical means of practicing. Uh, where would you say that that? whimsical, breathy, very open, fluid practice came from? Was it just informed by your own movement? Or was it something that you had seen and thus wanted to imitate? Or was it something that was adapted through the ways that you moved or maybe like a dance background? How did you become so open and fluid? Hmm. Yeah, I I don't have a dance background. I danced, I think, like below the age of 10, my mom put me in everything, so I was in dance classes. But I actually came a, became a little bit traumatized, I, and I became afraid to dance in front of people. So um, um, I stopped dance classes, anyways. And and so it's not that I have a dance background. What happened actually was I went to um, Ibiza and <laughs> fell in love with an Italian. <laughs> mm. 
and was and was living with him in his countryside home and and what it was though it was it was the first time I felt the winds of mother nature moving through me and I let her move me and and that was the beginning that was the beginning of letting myself be moved letting myself be moved unfolded this practice for me that that looks like how how it looks now and continues to evolve the more i i evolve or the more i merge with nature or or whatever it is the complexities that are really unfolding so it's it's nature i really 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 give it to nature and the universe and the creative forces that move through and when i explain it i talk i talk about or the way i see it or the way i'm gifted the way of seeing it because i feel like everything i see is a, is a gift like it's not mine i see that there's power there's like two forms of everything there's the man-made form and then there's the universal form and power in the man-made form is you know what we consume or want to hoard or have or our status or roles or education or whatever and um, the other form is unlimited and it flows through everything and you can't have it and if you try to have it then you move into that other man-made form which is very limited so you so you limit yourself and your capacity so this other form of power it flows through everything in, and it flows through our body vessels and the bandhas are the, the ways in which we can direct it to various um, places for for various reasons and we can do that consciously and also it happens spontaneously um, but this power is what when we open up to it we collaborate with it in a spontaneous way and spontaneity to me is not knowing what you're doing until you're doing it so it's just a process of discovering um, and in order to, that, to do that you have to let go and this is where my whole practice has come from and that, that, that's not to say I don't use formula because I do I believe in collaborating like with the linear and the non-linear aspects of the self and when I say master I don't mean ever that mastering means you're walking on one path I mean it, for me it's like surfing or it's like a constant juggling mastery is to be um, able to be adaptable really because mm -hmm. in each moment we need a different recipe you know maybe in one moment I need a little bit more um, formula to balance the spontaneity a little bit more linear to balance the non-linear and in another moment maybe I just need complete um, spontaneity and so on and so forth to whatever um, equations so I do collaborate with formula, and um, it's not just a free form or free for all. It's it's always changing, but mm. it's nature and it's the universe and it's the intelligence that we're that we are. What do you feel is your most potent environment for creation? Nature, <laughs> the jungle. Yeah, and mm. would you say that your environment has a lot to do with? how your practice has been informed it totally does yeah when i'm in a city um it changes all that cement um my body can't communicate as optimally with the with the intelligence of mother nature and the universe it's like immediately i see a vision in my mind of um like millions of little root systems like trees or plants that extend out of our hands and feet they extend out of everywhere but also especially concentrations of them through the hands and feet and when we're on cement there's like it's it's not impossible to connect with the earth but it's not 
not very, um, not as easy. And so therefore the energies that are flowing through me when I'm practicing in nature, let's say they're, they can, they can be minimized when, when I'm on cement. So I like cities sometimes and I like to visit them and I, you know, I love architecture and I love history and I love, um, cultures and I really, really do. I just don't like to spend that much time on cement. I, I really need to be um, on the earth and be feeling her, her warmth and her, her life, her being, and be um, communicating with her through my vessel. Mm. And with that being said, I feel strongly that you are a vessel of nature. And with that, you become a force of nature. Like you're message I feel is so much so rooted in being natural you know living a very intuitive life and allowing your vessel your body to be an expression of that which is mother nature Um, what would you say have been three practices that have really changed how you not only move but also how you live your life in more communion and harmony with nature hmm so the first thing that comes to my mind is to just let yourself be. For me, that was one of the big game changers because at the beginning of my practice, I was very, very um, disciplined and very, very um, controlled. And I needed to control everything. And actually, I, I needed to do that. I needed to do that in order to feel safe, in order to create boundaries for myself. Um, in order to feel stable. So I, it, it served its purpose. Um, however, however, it was always keeping me in kind of a limited place. I was so fearful of letting go of the, these certain structures I had. Um, so when I started to just let myself be more and more and more, and this is a process, um, and be spontaneous. So a practice, for example, of walking a different way home every day, like not doing the regular things, um, not planning what you're going to eat, but go to the grocery store and and let your body relax and then just see what your hand wants to grab or what you have an urge to, to take. So it's starting to tune back into the listening of the intelligence that we are made of, trusting that, for example, our cells will be like, hey, we need this, we want this, like go for this color. Um, so that would be one practice, like letting yourself be, and then, like I've, I've said before, following your urges. We have these urges um, that sprout up. And the process of doing this is not perfect because so many of the urges are patterns. They're behavioral um, patterns that maybe we've you know, learned over time. And um, so also the process of this is a process of discovering one's own um, behavioral patterns. And sometimes they play out, and sometimes then we make, you know, quote unquote mistakes. Um, but that's the whole magic of it: is that as we, as the the pendulum swings, let's say, um, through the acting out of various patterns that that are we're woven with, we untangle them, and we learn about them, and slowly, slowly, we wake up more and more, and allow our intelligence to to guide the way, so that we're not necessarily um, formulating every single moment like now I'll do this and now I'll say I'll say this to this person and I'll say it this way and then I'll behave this way and then I'll move this way and then I'll eat this way it's like no why why can't we not know what we're going to say and just trust it's okay 
you know, and let ourselves fumble. And then also we're more relatable that way, I think. We're vulnerable and, and everybody can kind of relax a bit. So I would say this is, this is a primary practice um, of, of untangling. So being is number one. <laughs> <laughs> I might just be the, the only one. Uh, mm, oh, eating? Yeah, how, did, how does eating affect it? I it mean, affects my practice. Yeah, in the sense of <clears throat> connecting you deeper to nature. Um, yeah. Eating is an interesting thing. Um, when I'm in the city, my body craves different things than when I'm in nature. Um, and I see that when I'm in the city, I, I, I'm, I'm collecting more densities. There's like so much information in the air that we can't see, you know, especially with all of this, these tech, technological devices buzzing and, and outputting, and we're sponges. So, um, so in cities, I, it's, a, it's a different, it can be a different experience eating than when you're in nature and your body starts to alkalize and relax and get more grounded and earthed. Um, so I would say that I don't have just one way of eating that I'm like, I am this and I am this and I am this. Um, um, but overall, I am a, a vegetable eater. I eat vegetables and I thrive on vegetables and I'm happiest on vegetables and I'm most clear on vegetables. Um, but that's not to say because sometimes I, if I only eat vegetables, I, I like float away or I, my anxiety levels rise. Um, so sometimes I need more grounding foods. I think that um, in my experience of eating, sometimes there are things that I will crave that may be outside of a structure that um, I would have thought or, 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 have, or would have put myself in. And... And I believe our bodies, when we are in tune with them, and we're in tune with what is um, an urge that's arising from a, an old pattern, let's say, or from a, a, a density um, that's habitual, that maybe isn't serving us. So for example, like, um, oh my God, I'm craving uh, sour kids. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm probably not craving sour kids because my body needs like white sugar. You know, that's probably, it's probably coming from somewhere else. Yeah, um, it may even be emotional. Yeah, exactly. You know, like maybe you're craving the sour kids because it gives you that fun, you know, fun loving simplicity that you remember having when you were on the playground eating Sour Patch Kids. You True, know? yeah. And there's nothing wrong with sour kids, I would say. I would, but um, you could have like a spoonful of honey instead, maybe. <laughs> or maple syrup. Maple syrup. <laughs> um, so it's a process of, it's a process, I think, eating in, in general. Um, and like the practice or any of the practices, I don't think there's just one way for somebody to be told to eat. I don't think that um, there's ne necessarily one diet that everyone should be on at all. Mm -hmm. And my body spontaneously goes into fast mode. Like recently, I, I'm not that hungry. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then other times I'm, I'm eating a lot. Um, I crave, right now I just want pumpkin soup. I, I want pumpkin soup. Sounds really good right now. <laughs> <laughs> today I craved rice. I haven't had rice in uh, months, but today I had rice because I craved it. I was like, ooh, rice, okay. So I really, really, um, believe in this this practice of listening 
and understanding and holding space for that listening to mean it's a process of also fumbling and falling and learning about um, the various habitual patterns that we can be woven with that wi- woven with that draw us to want to do various things. Hmm. And with that being said, um, what brought you to being drawn to teach yoga? Hmm. That was spirit for sure, because it wasn't me. Like it wasn't my mind. I, the last thing I wanted to do ever was stand in front of people and talk ever. That was like not what I wanted to do. I wanted to hide in a, a room and just paint and also be behind the camera. That's always been a passion of mine is I've documented everything my whole life. I love to video record things and people. Anyway, something else um, was brought me, some, something else brought me to, to, to this teaching of yoga. Um, I can say I always felt a huge um, ball of light in my chest and I was always asking, okay, what do you want me to do with this? What, what, where am I going to put this energy? It's too much energy for me to hold. I need to put it somewhere. And it was always a question um, my whole life. And it felt like, it just felt like I had, I was surging with energy, just way too much energy to hold in this one little body. And, um, and what I do now is I, I channel that energy for good. So it's it's an outlet for me to channel this this wisdom and this 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 light or this um, this beauty or however it is chosen, being however it's wanting to be channeled. That's awesome. And uh, when it comes to channeling light, how do you feel that you are best received? I feel like the asana is. <laughs> it's like a ploy. <laughs> it's a good one, in a way, to get us, and I include myself in that, um, to listen to the wisdom. Because without it, um, the chatters of the mind will remain or can remain like super loud. And so, in a way, I, I teach asana because it's medicine and it's uh, preliminary or necessary in order to actually teach or infuse in the, the wisdom. And, and so it's a combination of, of the, these two, the physical, physicality, but the physicality is not as powerful without the wisdom at all. And the wisdom also can't, can't penetrate the densities of the body-mind without them softening due to the asana. So it's this beautiful marriage. And I would say that although I'm confident, and this is something that I really appreciate about myself, I'm confident, but and I'm completely also, I have no idea what's going on in some ways. And this is the beautiful balance because every year I go around, it also means that there's a new depth or a new evolution of what's been experienced and therefore um, realized or integrated as wisdom. So it's a constantly evolving process. I'm confident, but I, I also love that I am not confident because that's what keeps me growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Confident and curious. Confidence. Hi, I'm Megan. Confident and curious. <laughs> mm, I like that. That fits you very well. With that being said, uh, what are you most curious about right now? 
Oh. Okay, what I'm really curious about right now is communications with, with the natural world uh, non-verbally. That's something that I am really interested in and really curious about, and I've always been interested in it, but it's something that's coming back, and it's coming back with like full, full force. So it's this non, not differentiating between beings, between ourself and another being, be it plant or insect or animal, and that opens up pathways for communication. And it's not man-made communication, it's a different kind of communication. And um, to me, this is where the unity lives. Um, that's where we live with our, our fellow beings as brothers and sisters, and not as like, oh, I'm a human, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm the best one. <laughs> and you're a cow, or you're an ant, or something like this, but really as equals and honoring the intelligence that each one carries no matter how big they are or small they are and each each one has a whole universe of complexity so that's actually what I'm really really curious about um, in my life yeah in general and of course other things that are you know <laughs> funny and <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk with you about sexuality today and how yoga intersects into that relationship mm, yeah so when you say uh, fertility uh, or I just think of like I think of just fertility in general like abundance and fertile grounds and when you relate that to yoga or to women then I think of that yoga I mean the physical and then it also depends what other how you're combining the different practices um, greatly depends if you're doing a more linear practice um, or if it's a more curvy and freeform practice and how how the energies internally are being directed or channeled so it does depend on many many things but in general i would say um, yoga can liberate energies so um, what this can do is it can increase um, sensitivities of every single kind and powers of every single kind and increase also then like a, a what we would call maybe a, a sex drive, let's, let's call it. Um, but I think that this is powerful because for so long um, there's been so many boundaries and shoulds and shouldn'ts on sexual energy. And so when it comes to women, and also men, and just in a different way. We're both we're, we're we're equal in that in that way. We just have have had different limits on what is okay and what's not okay, and therefore we have different forms of suppression, and therefore different forms of channeling that energy into expressions that aren't necessarily healthy. What I think is healthy is that the energy starts to move again, and that the practice, even the physical practice of of yoga, can be a way to channel that force. So it can start to even out through the body-mind complex, and that force is it can be extremely healing. Healing, I mean, in every way, healing for um, tissues, let's say, as well. Like it's like a inner uh, juiciness or lubrication that once that energy starts to flow, everything can can optimize. Um, so it's a healing practice in that the energy starts to move, all energy starts to move, whatever label, you could give it, call it many, many things, but it all starts to move. Then as that starts to move, um, when one can awaken to an increase of sensitivity or a drive of some kind, um, that can also awaken the possibility to channel it into the practice so that that energy continues to circulate through the body-mind. I think <laughs> then that energy can also be channeled into 
life like you know where where do you want to go what do you want to do yeah what do you want to do um or even what what is your your ultimate vision for a partnership and um are what are your values and are the the way that you're currently living is that does that match up to your true highest um vision for 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 your life so (laughs) there's an awakening that occurs and um i think i mean it is a beautiful thing and if we can let this energy be more liberated see because it's been this thing that we've been told oh no 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 no, it's bad you have to like you have to keep it behind that door um or keep it in your pants or like you know and and now what we see at least in the the yoga world and in the in the form of movement is um women are starting to move in curvy um sensual beautiful ways and this is a really positive thing i think the tricky piece still will be um then why are why why are we moving like this or why to to still inquire inside is that coming from a need for um external attention or validation this kind of like you know moving in a very seductive way and there's nothing wrong with that either i have to say that's also like a a step in the process of of one's evolution um and that's something to grow through and then eventually it can become something that no it's just actually an inner eruption and it feels amazing to move like this and um you know so it's not necessarily for a show or validation and when you speak of these inner eruptions um you know obviously we had a little conversation about orgasms and how orgasms can be used to open up new pathways of energy um would you say that uh you know practicing yoga and practicing um spirituality and also being in touch with your sexual nature they go hand in hand you said yoga spirituality and sexual nature i think anything that we are is spiritual like so i think to deny any one aspect then is to limit what is and then i think that's when we suppress and then it creates a i always see um the vision of when you already said this when you suppress energy it has to move somewhere so it just spirals in these erratic or maybe not optimal ways and then it'll channel into behavior in a different way um so yeah i i really think that whatever we we are composed of that that is that's okay and that's beautiful and that's spiritual um orgasms so like all things you know like i can overdo it on um cacao i've had way too much cacao lately (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) and maple syrup yeah um i can work too much you know and also there's the that can go for orgasms as well or, or, or sex partners or, um, or even just certain kinds of int- intimacy or whatever. So again, it comes down to like a deciphering of, of e- for each individual. Like I can't decipher for you, you know, what's good for you and what you should eat or what you, sh- you know, shouldn't eat or how many orgasms you should or shouldn't have. Like that's your, it's your process. It's your journey. Um, my journey with orgasms is that they are beautiful and powerful inner forces that 
um, can become better understood inside the individual to be channeled into different areas of the body for different purposes. So <laughs> I had shared that, um, that yeah, it's, I, I think it's good to have orgasms and to start to learn, okay, well, when I squeeze this, what happens? Um, can I channel the orgasm to this part of my body or um, up through the spine? So in my experiences, I can channel the orgasms um, from the root all the way up through the crown, but it takes about 10 to 15 <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, 10 to 15 orgasms for a deep experience of, you know, feeling the Shakti and really blasting off into that Samadhi state. Hey, why not? I mean, it's not always a Samadhi state, actually. It's like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not always blasting off either, you know, but it's like, <laughs> It can be very practical, to be honest. You know, it's like some, it's a powerful tool for releasing tension or um, for re realigning or for actually actually intentionally directing energy into certain parts of the body for, for healing. Like think of all that energy when you're having an orgasm. It's like, a, wow. Yeah. Think of how it's many life force. <laughs> complete matter life force. So when we put that somewhere consciously, that's powerful, really powerful. So the main thing I do is I channel it up my spine. I start at the root and I slowly clear out each section until I start to feel it shooting out through the crown of my head. But I wouldn't say it's like I'm lifting off into outer space or I, it you takes don't me like to start samadhi. Levitating. Well, I'm levitating. I mean, glow? I'm always levitating and <laughs> have this weird green glow, but. <laughs> I don't think that's from the orgasms. <laughs> I think that's just from the algae. When it comes to yoga today, what do you feel we as yogis need to truly dedicate our time, our effort, and our energy towards? Because I feel like we live in a very vastly changing world. And, you know, it's so often that we get distracted into the social media world and we get distracted by you know what's going on on tv and we even get distracted by our own quote-unquote needs and wants so what do you feel as a spiritual practitioner of yoga um, we can do as a community to really change the world i first have to say and it's 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 just in marriage to everything else that i've said is that um i wouldn't I wouldn't say there's just one thing that we should all do or there's one way we should all be um, or one community we should form and do the same thing. I, I really believe that we have, we're, we're seated with urges and, um, and the, more we, the more we can clarify our own body-mind fields, let's call them, um, the more clear these seated urges become so one person might have an urge to work with um, like snails <laughs> and we need that person like we really need that that being to like help the snails yeah imagine we were all just all about you know helping the whales and, and what would happen to the snails they would be forgotten they would go extinct so <laughs> I think clarifying first of all but I think there's just like everything you know I can have too much maple syrup or too many orgasms or whatever, or just the right amount, but that amount is constantly shifting. Like it's constantly shifting. So it's a, always a deciphering because what can happen is, um, I think that as humans, we can get caught 
so much in ourself, in our own process, that, that then we might forget about. So if I say it's, first of all, clarifying the, your own body-mind temple, and then those seeds, those urges get louder, um, just to be aware of um, your own process so that as you're clarifying the self and doing your own practices, that that also you're reaching out still. I think it's important to to be reaching out. But we go through phases, like, wow, we really go through phases. I feel like the previous maybe five years of my life, um, I was very much in a, a cocoon. I mean, I was very much out in the world teaching, but deep, deep inside, I've been, there's been something going on. And <laughs> I don't know yet, I'll tell you <laughs> later when I understand what's happen, happening, but there's a metamorphosis and and how it's expressing for me now is I really, really, really want to work with animals like more than anything. And, um, and also I find it harder to post pictures of myself on social media. So that, that's, that's an evolution that I'm experiencing right now. Um, so I don't think there's one way for everybody. I think we go in phases. Um, we have urges. And to clarify the self, connect to what really means something truly um, to for oneself, and then that will clarify the pathway, and then that will create the communities, and that will create the shifts. But I really feel like as though it comes from a clarification. And also remember, nothing ever really is crystal clear. It's a moment-to-moment um, process. Yeah, shining that lens. And the more that that lens is shined, that we can see the clear view as to what we're supposed to do. Yeah, or feel, and feel it, those those pulls. Mm -hmm. So I love to ask this question because I feel it's such a diverse answer, but what is yoga to you today? And how has it changed your life? I think I never understood the meaning of yoga before, like the union, you know, and I, that word union doesn't encapsulate what it really means. Um, I can't put it into words, what yoga is actually. I don't, it doesn't fit in a word. Um, but let's just say I, I, I'm connected more to, to, that, to the meaning than, and than I ever was. <laughs> I just really didn't answer your question, but I did. <laughs> I, I guess I, yeah, I feel very connected to, to, um, to the union. I, to the whole and um, yeah it's it's that's all I can't really put that into words I think it's also too precious in some ways mm-hmm. um, and how has it changed my life <laughs> I don't know how hasn't it <laughs> I don't know how it hasn't changed my life yeah I I don't, I, I don't, I think, I don't know how it hasn't. It has in every way, shape and form and continues to, including my own shape and form, mm-hmm. everything. Well, that's a pretty clear answer to me. <laughs> For our listeners who are at home, can you give them three words of advice that may help them on their path as a yogi? It could be like three steps. It doesn't have to be exactly three words. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> three steps. Um, lean into trust. That's it. 
that's it that's, that's it lean, lean into trust yeah mm. just lean in is i feel like trust is in essence uh, like every every everything we have a word for um it's like it was a bird or a spirit before we encapsulated it in a word and when i when i relate to words in this way um they become like an essence so if i'm to lean into um the essence of a word then it's a living breathing being in a sense and it has the capacity to um to to hold space or to to like envelop me in that in that intelligence and the intel intelligence of its essence so leaning into trust is like like when you lean into somebody that you that you that you fully love or feel loved by um imagining lean, the whole universe is this this being and you can just lean lean into it and i think from there everything can just unfold mm, that's beautiful it's really a beautiful concept mm. i like that a lot Thanks. i'm really into trust i feel like you know yoga is all about trust and i feel that when you have trust you have connection and when you have connection you have union mm. yeah and i always like to leave our listeners with uh, a means of what they can look forward to from you so is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to presenting to your followers your students those who really enjoy your teachings and your offerings mm. yeah i have the this environmental project that i have been planning for two years <laughs> it's just taking me some time because i've been busy um, and it's an Instagram challenge that's about going plastic-free, but also um, asking our favorite products to start the process of not packaging in plastic. So starting a, a change at the consumer level at the business with the businesses um, in a loving way, not in a pointing finger way. Or so that is set to launch soon. There's um, my what's it called? It's called Henosis, mm -hmm. and Henosis is actually the Greek word for unity. So it's all about um, remembering that we're one. We're one with the planet and we're one with the universe. <laughs> That's awesome. And then working with, you know, each other and, and yeah, so I'm stoked. And I have my clothing line, Isabel Moon, that um, I'll be launching within some time, <laughs> like the next three months, maybe. It's taking time because I'm alone doing it. Um, teacher trainings coming up. I've just like re, re, I rewrote my whole entire teacher training, so I'm super super excited about um, sharing that. I've I've tried to enca encapsulate more of a method of to my madness, <laughs> so it's more of a direct sharing of um, of the method of movement that I that I do or that comes through me. Um, what else? Cows, <laughs> dogs. What about your milk? Oh, my milk. <laughs> well, I have a, a very special and sensual um, book I'm working on about about nuts and milk. <laughs> Not milk. <laughs> so I'm working on this 
slowly, slowly, just little by little. Oops, I touched the pot. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> Getting a little squirmy. I'm sweating. I have like this, I really sweat a lot behind my knees. Oh, like it's like dripping down the back of my legs. Can you see that? I can see it. Yeah. It's very, it's very <laughs> Where are the cucumbers? Oh. <laughs> for, for cooling down. For cooling down. Like if you cut them and you put like, if you put them behind your knees or it, it cools you down. It's good to know. It is good to know. Mm-hmm. If you're ever with somebody who's like uncomfortably hot, you can just offer them a slice. Of cucumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or on the back of the neck or... On the eyes. <laughs> on the eyes. Works too. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Our Yoga Revealed listeners are brighter <laughs> and lighter for all the beautiful wisdom that you've shared with us. And thank you so much for being vulnerable mm. and leaning into your trust. Mm, thank you. Thanks for interviewing me. This has been fun. You're fun. <laughs> you can find out more about Megan Curry's online trainings, recipes, and awesome new clothing line at her website, megancurryyoga.com. You can also check out more about the Yoga Revealed podcast at yogarevealed.com and make sure to leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the interviews that we do. Blessings to you and namaste, yogis. Thank you so much for your participation in the yoga world today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.